On this edition of Money with Friends, still shocked by what some wealthy parents were willing to do when it came to getting their kids into the right college? Well, now a new twist, a loophole that is legal that wealthy parents are using to get financial aid designed for the poor. Plus, sales go into overdrive for a very hot sports car that apparently everyone wants to get. But will the price sting consumers? That and so much more on today's Money with Friends. Hey, everyone. You are listening to Money with Friends. I'm certified financial planner, Bobby Rebell from the Financial Grown-Up Podcast, coming to you from my very grown-up kitchen in New York City. And from my mom's half-finished basement in Detroit, Michigan, where we make the Stacking Benjamin Show, I'm Joe Saul Sihai. We take the headlines that matter to you and we use them to expand our knowledge and yes, hopefully make us just a little bit richer. We do it all with our friends and tie it up with a bow at the end with really profound, big ideas. Today's episode of Money with Friends is brought to you by Acre Trader, investing in farmland simplified. If you want to watch an explainer video of actually how Acre Trader works, we'll talk about it a little bit later in the show. But if you just want to see the video, head to acretrader.com forward slash MWF for Money with Friends. Very well said, Joe. Well, thank you. Me and uh, about farms. We go, I, I do. I could go on and on about the joy and pain of farming. Not not a great idea. There was uh, a joke that a client of mine back in the day when I was a financial planner told me that said, she said, what did the farmer do when they won the million dollar lottery? They farmed it. Know. They farmed it until it was gone. Which for anybody in farming, they know exactly how how truthful that is. But we're not talking farming today. We're talking General Motors. But first, we're going to talk about some parents and some loopholes, huh? Yeah, I know. Let's dive into it. Let's see which friend is going to kick off today's show. Hi, I'm show engineer Caden Thompson from Lubbock, Texas. Let's talk about you and your wallet. Here we go. This comes to us, Joe, from... Market Watch, I believe, and the writer is Douglas Belkin. Yeah, I've got it from the Wall Street Journal, but same thing. Oh, I'm sorry. The Wall Street Journal. I am corrected. Yeah. Um, they're owned by the same parent company, but it is the Wall Street Journal. Apologies. Okay. And the links, by the way, the links to all these stories, everyone, are on our webpage, which is moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can just go to the date either of the taping or the airing of this show, and you can get the link and follow along and read ahead and be part of the conversation. Shout out to Ashley, by the way, who helps us with all that. She does a fantastic yeah. job. Here we go. Education department, universities are investigating. Oh, I missed the headline. College financial aid loophole. Wealthy parents transfer guardianship of their teens to get aid. Education department, universities are investigating the practice which has been used in the Chicago area. Amid an intense national furor over the fairness of college admissions, the education department is looking into a tactic that has been used in some suburbs here, Chicago, in which wealthy parents transfer legal guardianship of their college-bound children to relatives or friends so the teens can claim financial aid, say people familiar with the matter. The strategy caught the department's attention amid a spate of guardianship transfers here. It means that only the children's earnings were considered in their financial aid applications, not the family's income or savings. That has led to awards of scholarships 
and access to federal financial aid designed for the poor. Several universities in Illinois say they're looking into the practice, which is legal. Um, And we have a quote here from Andrew Boris, director of undergraduate enrollment at the University of Illinois, quote, our financial aid resources are limited and the practice of wealthy parents transferring their guardianship of their children to qualify for need-based financial aid or so-called opportunity hoarding takes away resources from middle and low-income students. This is legal, but we question the ethics. Um, So here's an example they go into in the article. One Chicago area woman told the Wall Street Journal that she transferred guardianship of her then 17-year-old daughter to her business partner last year. While her household income is greater than $250,000 a year, she said she and her husband have spent about $600,000 putting several older children through college and have no equity in their home, which is valued at about $1.2 million, according to Zillow. She said she has little cash on hand and little saved for her daughter's education. Transferring the guardianship was largely a matter of paperwork, blah, blah, blah. Now, it goes into how this works. Today, her daughter attends a private college on the West Coast, which costs $65,000 in annual tuition. The daughter received a $27,000 merit scholarship. So that's not need-based, that's merit. And an additional $20,000 in need-based aid, including a federal Pell Grant, which she will not have to pay back. The daughter is responsible for $18,000 a year, which her grandparents pay, the woman said. Um... And basically, it goes into how this woman and other parents that they spoke to follow a strategy laid out by a consulting company called Destination College. And the company says on its website that they've saved families as much as $40,000 a year per student. It doesn't specify how on the website. And the journal did try to reach out to the owner of the company. They didn't get any comment from that. Um, And other people that worked with the company did say they were asked to sign a confidentiality agreement. So the education department is looking into this. We can stop there and and pause. Oh, there's one more thing I just, I highlighted that I want to read. And this is that, uh, this is from uh, one of the attorneys uh, saying the guardianship law was written very broadly. Judges were given an immense amount of discretion. The standard is best interest of the child. And I think it's hard to argue that this is not in the student's best interest. So that I thought I highlighted that because that's an interesting twist because it's legal, it's unethical. But one of the reasons the courts has been allowing this is because their argument is it's in the best interest of the child to be separate from their parents when considered for aid so they can get the best aid and get the college education. In other words, if you focus it on the child, the argument is, according to the lawyers, it's in the best interest of the child to not consider the parents' resources and get them need-based age. Joe, complicated, right? More complicated than you think. It's so frustrating. We, When this uh, news first broke, we asked people in our Stacking Benjamins Facebook community uh, to comment on it. And man, most people were as conflicted as, as I am right now. If it's, if it's legal, if it's legal then certainly playing within the rules. Okay. I can see that, but ethically somebody else, meaning all of us are paying for that child's education. The second you get a Pell grant, the Pell grant Mm -hmm. was meant to help people without means to be able to afford college. That's why it exists. And so you're exploiting this loophole and from an ethical standpoint, I don't get it. From a guy that put two kids through college, though, man, is it expensive. It is so yeah. expensive. So even though, you know, I say to these parents, I'm like, shame on you. This is this is clearly somebody else's money. I still think in that moment you go, let's use 
every every legal means to get my kid through college as uh, as cheaply as possible. Right. Um, I mean, this woman was saying they earn, let's say she makes $250,000. They clearly have multiple children. They've paid out $600,000. We're telling everyone, save for your own retirement. Don't live off social security or don't count on just living off social security. Be financially responsible. And yet I, I feel the real villains here, and I've said this before, is the colleges that are allowed to charge so much in tuition. Yeah. I mean, even the state schools yeah. have gotten to be very expensive. And I, you're done with your twins. I am in the thick of it. My husband and I pay tuition. We pay retail, as we like to say, for um, our children. And those we paid our first payment today. And it's a big payment. And I am so proud of our child, and I'm so proud of everything he's doing. And I would go to the mat to pay for this tuition for him to have that opportunity, but I don't think I should have to. I don't think that people should already to get their children educated. And I don't think they should have to do things that they may feel is unethical, but are legal because the truth is the lawyer makes a good point. It is in the best interest of the child to get as much financial aid as they can, because if the parents can't pay it, it's just going to be bigger and bigger loans that are unreasonable for these children to graduate with. And should the, should the children be penalized because whatever formula says their parents make whatever number and therefore they're not eligible. It's so hard, the, but the, I bl- I mean, I, I just think tuition shouldn't be so high that we're even having this discussion. And this ends up becoming a political discussion that I think that we, you know, it's, it's outside of our jurisdiction. I don't want to have a political discussion on this show, but it does become political for this reason. I do think that the reason why colleges are able to charge more and more and more money is because of guaranteed student loans, because the federal government has gotten involved and said, hey, there's this money available. That's why we had the problem with uh, for-profit universities, right, teaching Mm -hmm. next to nothing and just going after this ostensibly pretty free money. It's the same thing with the the state schools. State schools look at all this money available. Let's build bigger buildings. Let's make Mm -hmm. the you know, let's make the campus more attractive. And then it becomes an arms race as one college tries to go after another. So for them, it's competitive. If I don't do it, then I don't get, I don't get people coming to my university because they're going to the other school that does do it. So I think the government actually is behind this and changing that, you know, the, the the debates were on this last week from Detroit, by the way, and beautiful Fox theater there, just quick shout out to Detroit. But you know, regardless of whether the the Democrats are right or wrong, I'm wanting to cancel all this debt. That's another ethical issue there. When we talk about mm-hmm. that, um, there's a much larger problem here, a much larger problem than canceling debt. The reason all that debt exists, exists in the first place is people saying, my kids got to go to college. And this feeling mm-hmm. that in the 90s, especially, I felt like there was this real push to have every kid go to college. And then secondly, making more money available as almost free money for people to go to. I feel like it's it's almost the same as the mortgage industry blowing up in 2007, 2008. Lots of easy yeah. money available from uh, from mortgage companies. And that was an arms race. And look at how that ended. This could this could be similar. 
I think that this has a lot of similarities to the housing crisis that you're alluding to, because a lot of people were encouraged to buy houses that they maybe didn't need, but maybe wanted or were told they wanted or were made to believe that they should have, that they deserved. And everyone, I, of course, everyone, I think everyone deserves the world if you work hard. But at the end of the day, you want something that will be comfortably affordable for you so you can have the financial freedom and the financial security that you want. And I really do. You know, when I saw this headline, my first gut instinct was, oh, that's so unethical. And you know, I, I, cause my, our, our, my stepdaughter went to school out of state as an out of state student. And people said, oh, you can move her in state. You can, there's all kinds of shenanigans that people will tell you you can do if you're an out of state student and you know, you, you can move them in state. And I don't even know, I, we didn't look into it, but I don't know. I think there's ways to, if you're out of state to become in state and then you get the in-state tuition and maybe some formulas make it worth it. So I feel for that, but at the same time, I'm looking at this and it just doesn't, it's, it's icky. It's unethical yeah. to be getting money that you're not entitled to. However, that doesn't mean the tuition should be this high. And I don't blame these people who are not breaking the law and the ethics. I'm saying it's unethical, but the lawyer makes a really good point. Is it unethical in any way to do what's best for the child, not the child of the parents? Just like this person is 18 years old. They're facing college. Shouldn't they be entitled to the best financial aid that they are entitled to because the parents aren't necessarily obligated to pay for any of their college. Yeah, I have an parents opinion. Parents don't have to pay. Yeah. So the parents could be like, we're not paying. We don't have to do it. Should that child who truly is in that sense financially independent be on the hook for that? I mean, you had a, you you paid for your college. I said I'm conflicted earlier. But however, uh, I do think it's unethical. I, I totally think, and I get it, you know, best for my kid and any means possible to get my kid uh, legally what's theirs, that's fine still think it's unethical. I still think that- I think it's I think it's icky. I think it's I, I would say that, but but what I'm saying is that I think that that lawyer coming in did make me say, okay, move the parents out of the picture. You have an 18 year old. Everyone has parents, you know, at, at some point. I mean hopefully they're alive and all that stuff. But not everyone has parents with resources. But if you have parents with resources and the parents literally say to you, we are not going to pay for your college, which they have a right to, you truly are not tied to them financially. They are, you, you might've left home, you know, you, you are not tied to them financially. They're truly not trying to get out of it. They're just not giving you any money. Should that as an individual, just looking at, not looking for the parent's point of view, looking from the individual child, I am totally independent. I am paying my own rent. I'm living on my own. Shouldn't that child not be punished by the fact that their parents who are not supporting them legit in any way, aren't supporting them? Yeah. I, that's the only way, you know, if you look at it sort of the other way, I'm, I'm saying from the parents' point yes. of view, the parents are doing it just so the parents don't pay unethical. We're, Separately, if you're truly independent and you truly are, are financially independent, should they really, shouldn't there be a mechanism without going through these shenanigans where you can say, look, they're not paying. I'm totally on my own. I earn $10,000 a year part-time working, you know, whatever at a restaurant please give me the financial aid that I legitimately deserve because this is, these are my financial resources. That could be the case in some time, in some cases. We do That's the, not this article. This article is parents trying to get themselves right. off the hook. No, totally agree. The, uh, uh, we do the show live, by the way, in front of a Facebook audience and doing this live. It appears that uh, uh, Facebook and BeLive have decided that my video does not need to appear. <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing a blank screen. Maybe I am here. Oh, no. 
Yeah. But, okay. Well, maybe I'll talk for a minute while Joe goes out and back in. Well, and the problem I will take them. Actually, the problem is if we do that, I have to go. I, I've tried going out and back a few oh, times. And and no, I think I think we're just left without uh, my peep, my photo, my beautiful uh, visit. I am seeing you though, Joey. Just jo- Joey, Joey, <laughs> Joey, little yes. Joey, Joey. Just so you know, I do see your picture. So I don't know. I yeah. don't know if our. Um, yeah. Let's see if we get anything from our audience, if they are still seeing you, but I do see you on camera still. So maybe you're just not seeing your own picture. Oh, I'm, I'm just um, not seeing but myself. I do see you. We got Gertrude from Stacky Benjamin's watching. So she sees me. So I just yeah, don't see myself. I see you. Anyway, getting back to this though, we Thank have, you. we have a lot of, uh, a lot of great comments here. As you can imagine, uh, just like we had on our Facebook group, Bobby, th- this is a hot topic. And uh, Gregory says, I wonder if they transfer guardianship, if it might impact any type of inheritance. My understanding, Gregory, is after college, they, you know, there's there's no uh, guardianship concern anymore. You're 22 years old and you're still the kid of the person. And parents probably can very easily reinstate or if there is any problem with with uh, inheritance. Parents can very easily, I would think, sign some sheet of paper that says, hey, we... Well, a will. Yeah. Your will could say who gets your money. It's well, good easy. point. Yes. <laughs> but, but but if Will just says legal children instead of names, you True. know, you can you can change it back. That's a good uh, point. Very easily, very easily to say that. And Or you could just put your names in. Rebecca makes another good point. She said college isn't a right. It's a privilege. Not everyone needs a college edu- a college degree. And I think in the 90s, Rebecca, to your point, I think we thought at some point that college was something that every kid should have. And you still see some politicians talk about how college is something that everybody should have. But, man, you know, I know plenty of kids that college just isn't for them and skilled trades and working with your hands are some wonderful pursuits for lots of people that, uh, that these, these, these trade schools, these programs, uh, these, you know, professional programs for people that are outside of college, great opportunities that don't involve these high price points. Well, you also make a good point, Joe, because in the 90s, we also didn't have the same educational resources that we have now. Now, you not only can you get a college degree online, you can get a degree in so many different things, so many certificates and different business programs. You can learn so many skills just online from your home that you really don't need to. Now, the campus experience, some might say, is part of growing up. You can certainly make a different kind of uh, networking connections and things like that. But in terms of actual knowledge, I would argue that most of that could almost be done online at this point um, with follow-ups in person on occasion. But there's so much available online that was not available a generation ago that many people can learn amazing skills that will earn a lot of money simply by taking online courses, the right online courses, real ones, not some of this BS stuff, but a good online online uh, educational resource can really lead to a wonderful career, in I'll my t- opinion. I'll tell you, when we were looking at colleges with uh, my kids, my daughter really got the cost of college. I don't know why. I mean, it, at 17 years old, it really, it's this thing that you, it, it, I mean, I get it. It's tough to grasp at that age, right? Um, I don't think I grasped it. Yeah, I didn't grasp it until much, much, much. Even though I paid my own way through most of my my college education, I still didn't grasp it. The the thing that was interesting, though, my son didn't grasp it at all. We actually uh, paid for there is a and and I'll give a big shout out to this because I thought it was great. Dave Ramsey 
his organization has a college uh, cost thing. And there were three schools we looked at. He was looking at Carnegie Mellon University. He was looking at the University of Texas at Austin, which is ultimately where he went. But Dave Ramsey's group also said, is there a place close by where you can go to school? And we had uh, Texas A&M, Texarkana, where on our Stacking Benjamin staff, Richie, our producer, Richie, goes to college right now. So we looked at all three of those. Dave Ramsey's group put together this phenomenal guide. And by the way, a part of this was also them help, helping us fill out the FAFSA forms, the financial aid those forms. Those are no joke. No. And it was, it, was, it, was, it was great help. But in this binder, it showed the three, the differences in cost between those universities and my son, who is largely going to go to Carnegie Mellon just because he thought it sounded cool, all of a sudden realized that the University of Texas at Austin, which has a top five in the nation engineering program, was half the price, if that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was the quality education. He ended up going there mostly because of that Dave Ramsey thing saying, be a little bit more responsible with 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 where you go to school. And by the way, that's not a rip on private schools. Private schools will tell you that because of all the grants and funding that they get can sometimes be much more affordable than you think the retail prices. So yes. I wouldn't I wouldn't rule them out for that reason. But for us, man, that 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 really helped. The other thing that really I think slams parents that we don't always talk about is beyond the cost beyond tuition. This is something that came up in a book that I just read um, called Grown and Flown. It's by uh, Mary Della Harrington and Lisa Heffernan. Um, I had Mary on my show, Mary Della on my show on Financial Grown Up. And a lot of the costs, it's not just the tuition. It's important that parents also realize that there's so many other ancillary costs. You have housing, which is usually mandatory, at least freshman year. If they're not going to live at home, they're going to have housing very often somewhere off campus the other years. They often mandate at least for freshmen, um, food, they throw on, and this is not the worst thing, but they throw on, um, health insurance, which you can, uh, waive, which is important. We just flagged that they put that on my, my stepson's tuition bill. Um, and he's on our insurance. So it's important to look at these bills and see the markdown because we didn't need that insurance. So we removed that charge. Um, and then also there's all these service fees and technology fees and just, it just adds up. There's a lot that goes on that probably you can, can you tell I paid the first bill today? No, it's Um, funny because, because, you know, I mean, it's really, it's, it's not just, sometimes you have to make sure just like with anything with like airlines with the baggage, you know, who includes the baggage fee, make sure you're comparing apples to apples when you make a comparison, like you did with your son, because a lot of schools don't always, you know, what you think is the quote, full retail price for tuition is not, is it by trimester or semester? A school might have three trimesters. You might compare two trimesters and not realize, oh my goodness, there's a third one and they're billing you by trimester and it's more expensive than you think. My, my daughter, I was laughing there because my daughter, uh, ran track and cross country for uh, the university of Arkansas and just those ancillary. So, so she avoided, even though she got no scholarship money, she avoided um, uh, uh, parking fees because those were picked up just because she was on the team. She was able to park in nice. the athlete area. She also got some tutoring because athletes got some tutoring for free. They also had some food that was given to the teams for when they had meets and things. So there were days that we didn't have to pay anything for food that she got there, which would have been an extra fee. Uh, the athletic uh, uh, fee that you use to use like the weight rooms and all that stuff, which is an additional expense 
since that was waived. Uh, we saved so much That's money. We saved a ton of, and she got into all the sporting events, which, you know, if, if you go oh, to. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, I know. Cause Ashley, Ashley in Indiana had, I think, I think it was football tickets or something, which yeah. they love. That's great. You know, but you, you, you buy tickets, whatever. Yeah. That's another thing. It's another fee. And things. she, yeah. she avoided that. There were so many fees that she avoided. And on top of that, uh, there were, there were employment opportunities open to athletes that, uh, other students didn't get like all of these fees yeah. that don't even you don't even think about with the cost of college. Uh, I've got one more thing. And then obviously we want to move on because we've, we have as, yeah, as we have expect, a lot of comments though, well, yeah. as expected, we knew this is a hot topic. It is such a, it, it is such a big topic and there's so much more that needs to be done, but I have to put this, uh, 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 talk to this that Rebecca says, she says, well, I know I attended college decades ago and paid out of state tuition at U of M. I got out with no debt for me or my parents by working and all and working during college is something Rebecca I did but that's not what I wanted to point out Bobby I liked Rebecca so much until I found out she went to U of M and that's absolutely that's horrible good school. why would See, you I'm send secure enough in my college choice that I don't feel I have to knock anyone else's school <laughs> I just had just to saying I, I Brian, can we just I just want to mention Brian has one comment just as a resource for our listeners yes. um, he points out some some um, options if you if you're not in college or just want extra knowledge um, Khan Academy is great obviously you can find a lot on YouTube and Wikipedia and there's so many other online learning um, wonderful learning resources that people can uh, use so I would just encourage everyone you know go on our Twitter and tweet to us if you have resources for our audience and um, we can share them MIT. Uh, you can you can audit MIT classes for free. I mean, one of the top institutions in the United States, and you can you can audit their classes. You know what that takes, though, that. Brian? That's cool. I bet a lot of other top schools do the, that the, too. Where you, I mean, you're not getting yes. a degree, but you're getting the information. That's right. But 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 what you have to do, which most people don't think about, employers of course don't think about, is that you have to. And I don't think this is just true with college. You have to design your own curriculum to be good at your life, right? I mean, think about where your weaknesses are and your strengths and work to maximize those strengths and shore up your weaknesses by creating a life curriculum. And that's a whole different topic, but one that I absolutely love. Like, why do people that work at a business wait for their manager to train them? You don't wake up going, you know what? I want to stink at my job today. Get good at your no. job by creating your own curriculum. I love that. I like that too. And I think it's important in any job. I always say this to learn to do every job that you can so that you can be the person that saves the day when you fill in. What's your I take? I run over and run the teleprompter sometimes <laughs> at, at various places just because, you know, maybe I'm a show off. I don't know. Um, <laughs> all right. What's your <laughs> takeaway? Take just because it's legal doesn't mean it's right. Find another way. So yeah, I'm calling them out. It's unethical. Yeah. Uh, ditto for me, by the way. This is unethical. However, I will say my takeaway, this obviously is a way, way bigger issue and uh, more to come here. Not just closing this loophole, but making college affordable and uh, giving it back its place, I'll guess, uh, or I'll say, I think is. Um, yeah, I, I just I think I mean, I, like I cried because I'm so proud of my stepson for going to this wonderful school. But I also cried because it's just not right. The tuition's too high. It's not right. Yeah. Let's uh, let's transition to one topic that in Detroit is uh, is probably bigger than this. Right. A, a topic that we all definitely want to talk about more. And that, of course, is cars and brand new cars. And uh, this comes to us from this comes to us from the Fox News Network. Uh, and it's uh, Gary Gastelow. 
who wrote this piece. GM designer says the 2020 Chevrolet Corvette Stingray is nearly sold out. And Bobby, while you and I were looking at these, you got to see this car. What did you think yeah. of this car? You know, we went, maybe we should repeat the headline because I, on my end, you were frozen. I don't know about anybody else, but I didn't hear the headline. Uh, um, here we go. So I don't know. GM designer says the 2020 Chevrolet Corvette Stingray is nearly sold out. And what I was mentioning was, was that uh, as we were prepping for this, I showed you this car. What'd you think of this vehicle? It's great. I mean, I'm just not a car person. It's a beautiful I, I mean, I, I car. I don't get it. I just don't get it. This is a discussion my husband and I have because he'll, he'll, we'll pass cars and he'll be like, oh, I want that. we have, you know, a, a family SUV, of course. Um, but he, you know, he has aspirations that someday we won't have five passengers in the car and we'll be able to get a cute little sports car or something. And uh, I don't get the whole thing with the cars. I just don't get it at all. But it's still, um, it's still, it's a great looking car. I don't get why people want this car, but people want this car. Do They're you, into it. They're really into it. Uh, yeah, I want this car. So uh, let's let's jump into it. The 2020 Chevrolet Corvette Stingray won't even be in showrooms for several more months, but one insider claims it's virtually sold out already. Over the weekend, Autoblog caught up with GM head designer Michael Simcoe at the uh, Concourse d'Elegance of America in Troy, Michigan, where Chevy had the mid-engine car on display. And he reportedly told a crowd, I think the orders have already hit the first year of production numbers. That's amazing. Simcoe then followed up with the automotive news outlet saying it's nearly sold out. It's so close, it's bound to be sold out soon. Automakers begun taking orders for the car but it hasn't officially announced when production and deliveries will begin. It also hasn't revealed how many it plans to build for the 2020 model year, but it sold nearly 35,000 in the U.S. the last time the Corvette was redesigned in 2014. GM President Mark Roos did confirm that the starting price will be under $60,000, while the current car starts at $56,000. $995. Chevrolet wouldn't confirm Simcoe's comments, however, and issued the following statement on the matter. The level of enthusiasm around the 2020 Chevrolet Corvette Stingray has surpassed all expectations. We have nothing to report in terms of reservations or order numbers at this time. And yet the hype is real. And there's actually a car in Detroit in Detroit, that people really, really want. How about that, Bob? Yes. Well, first of all, let's point out that it's made in America, in Detroit, and we love that. Yes. So gold star for that. Um, and all the jobs and economic good that that will create. It's always wonderful to have a, a strong economic product that people really want and um, will sell well. So that's good. Um, nope. I don't get cars in general. I don't really get it. But it sounds like for a sports car, this is a affordable is it because i think like i think of like porsches and like those and like didn't we talk about tracy morgan's bugatti bugatti, bugatti yeah 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 but this is more affordable than that right <laughs> incredibly more more affordable <laughs> but still a sixty thousand dollar car is well and that's also the base price because i learned when we bought our ford explorer that the base is just the base it can go up you think you know those commercials where they say starting at they mean starting at well, and this is the issue. This is a great uh, way for us to jump into the madness that's car buying, because while I really want this car and I'm excited to see this incredibly sexy car design, my thought process is $60,000 for a depreciating asset 
And I love the fact being in Detroit that this is uh, sold out or near sold out for the Stingray. Love the fact there's a new Stingray. You know what I think, Bobby? I think there's probably a ton of people on this list that are buying the Stingray that are caught up in the FOMO, right? The fear of missing out. And they're so excited by it. They're not doing the math. This is $60,000 minimum for something that could potentially in the next several years be worth not much at all. And yet these same people probably have credit card debt, aren't going to retire when they want to. They're going to be working late, late, late into life. I hope you can. I hope you can live in this beautiful car. Listen, well, wait, if, if, wait, 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 wait. Let's stop. First of all, you're making assumptions. There are plenty of cars that would look responsive. Plenty of SUVs for family people that could easily go in that price point. Um, ours does not, but you definitely could spend that in a responsible, more responsible car. What if you're an empty nester as you are, and you just kind of want the car? And maybe it's okay. Maybe that's what financial freedom is about. That you no can buy judgment. It's not the best asset. No judgment. Maybe you buy it because you like it. Isn't Dave, that okay? Dave, no. Uh, Dave Ramsey just had <laughs> no. Dave Ramsey just had a big rant. Just had a bit, second time I've mentioned Dave today, which doesn't happen often. Um, Dave had a big rant though that I totally agree with, and he said that a lot most of his cars are more than twenty five thirty thousand dollars. But if you're somebody who is worried about your debt, you don't have enough money for retirement. It's a way to get from point A to point B for you. Mm-hmm. Once you're past yeah. that point, then I totally agree with you. If if your goals are covered and or if this is your primary goal, if your primary goal in life is to own this car, I would still get out of debt first. Second, I would make sure that your financial independence is covered, but then go buy the car. I mean, if that's your goal, you. then go buy the car. But there's no way. I mean, just being just just having been a financial planner for a lot of people for a long period of time, I'll tell you there are people on this list, Bobby, that shouldn't be on this list. They they're salivating over this car. They're all caught up in this hype, and they shouldn't be on the list. Maybe maybe they could buy a used one. I'm just trying to find solutions for them. I want people to be happy. Maybe they can buy a used one because now that there's a, I mean, you tell me, I don't know. Now that there's a used, the oldest one, they were making them again in 2014. So maybe some people listening to this could consider buying the 2014 ones because maybe those will even become even more affordable because now there's newer ones um, and they could buy a used one. Maybe uh, that's a happy medium. I will tell you. I just a, want people to be happy, Joe. T- I want <laughs> people to find their happiness if they're into cars. Because I don't get the car thing. But if someone's really into cars, I mean, I want to find a way. Maybe used cars. Um, I don't know. I'm not into car leasing. That's a different topic, I guess. But maybe there's a way to buy a used version of this that will make them happy. That will be a happy medium or something. The kinder, gentler, Bobby Rebell. I don't know. I want them to be happy. Clearly, if they've pre-ordered it, they really want it, Joe. Maybe they can get some side hustles because it's not going to be ready for a while. Let me share with you. So maybe, maybe you just got to up your income rather than cut back on your car choices. <laughs> I will share with you uh, 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 a middle ground. I mean, a, a family example. Won't give away my son's financial position, but I will say this. Right out of college, he was very excited about, and I've said this before, uh, very excited about our friend Scott Trench, who's over at Bigger Pockets, and 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 uh, he's got a fantastic book about 
from the very beginning how to build wealth. And Nick followed that like a blueprint. And it, it's amazing. Early on in his career, he saves a huge percentage of his income. He drove a, uh, a really, really not incredibly nice car for quite a while. That car finally died a week ago. He just bought a sports car. He didn't buy the, the, the incredible sport. He didn't buy the incredibly expensive sports car. He went and bought a Saturn Sky, which, as you know, Saturn is no longer around. The, the Sky is not a super expensive car, but he found one for, uh, for $8,500 that has less than 30,000 miles on it. So I thought he made a very responsible car choice to get. He's a car kid. He loves cars. And you he's get a really cool used car. There you go. That's exactly what he did. And he saves, he saves way more, a bigger percentage of his income than a lot of people save. Uh, and he's done really well by controlling those three costs in his life. He can he's controlled his housing cost, his food cost, and he's controlled his his auto cost. He saved a bunch of money. He's into cars. I thought he made a very responsible decision. He's a kid that would love this sixty thousand dollar car, but it's it's the third thing, you know. It's yeah. No, I, I agree with that, and I think that you know, people sign up for this. Maybe they won't actually buy it when it comes to it. Unfortunately, and this goes to some similarities of other things we've talked about, it will probably be very easy to finance, maybe too easy to finance. And that is something that uh, makes me a little bit sad that I think that the, I'm not saying it's GM or the banks, but like in general, it's probably pretty easy to get a car loan and then you maybe buy more car than you need. And that goes back to the themes of housing. It goes back to the themes of education that very often we're buying things as a society that we shouldn't buy because the money is there, is given, not given to us, but is loaned to us. And many people don't fully understand the true cost of that money. Yeah. No. Well, and they, and and listen, that's, that's the job of Detroit, right? Or Germany or wherever you're buying your car from Japan, Um, wherever you're buying your car from, it's their job to obfuscate, to cross off that on my bingo board, the cost of the car by talking about monthly payments, talk about monthly payments. Yep. Uh, Talk about, um, uh, uh, talk about how nice and beautiful the car is. Uh, That's their, that's their job. You come in yeah, with a price point, yeah. they come in with a payment number. Exactly. And and they also will do the upsell when you're there. I know when we bought our car, I think it was in 2013, I didn't know there were three different levels of Ford Explorer. And then there's all kinds of things. Do you, oh, you, do you need this, the seat to go back automatically? No, you can pull the lever yourself. It's okay. You know, most of the things that they're upselling you, you don't really need air conditioned steering wheels or whatever. There was something like, there was some feature that they, we didn't get. Like it was, it was something like on the wheel. Now you can get like air conditioning on a wheel so it doesn't get hot. Did you ever hear of that? Right on your wheel. It was something like that. I don't know. Because air conditioning it. coming from right over here they can upsell you for. is not close enough, right? If it's over here, like uh, what, uh, a foot and a half, it's not close enough. It has to be right blowing on my face on the steering wheel. It was something. It was something to cool down the steering wheel. So if you left it in the heat, you wouldn't burn your hands. Oh, that's I don't remember. Cool. There's all kinds of features. There were like, you know, if you want to put down the seats in the back, you could have them be electric versus just pulling the lever and then they fall down. So like you could. There's all these upsells that they try to get you with. I, I which my husband's very smart. We didn't fall for any of them. We've seen. We've all seen the movie Fargo, or maybe we haven't. But if you have, I have. You, you, Scotchgard, right? 
you put scotch card on everything and you sell yep. them on that uh i love what brian says here hanging out with us uh live on facebook brian says everything's too easy to finance hashtag dave ramsey lol yes everything yep. is way Thank too you. easy yes. all right i think uh i think we killed that topic what's your takeaway from this one Beware the FOMO. Scarcity sometimes makes for unwise decisions. That, my friend, is also mine. I'm going to say that because you said it better than okay. I could, could have. In, Did know. in just a second, Bobby and I are going to share our big idea. And that's the part of the show where we take these two completely different headlines. Parents trying to use loopholes to uh, save money on college and uh, Detroit manufacturing a car that people are drooling over. How are we going to combine those two? We'll have that in just a second. But first, I want to talk about one of people that have heard this show before know this is an investment that I really like for the right person. It's called Acre Trader. I like it because of the fact that I grew up in West Michigan farm country. I worked on farms and I get it. Number one, the first thing I get is that you don't want to be a farmer unless you know a lot about that. However, owning farm land, which doesn't go up or down as aggressively as either commercial real estate or residential real estate presents an opportunity. The problem is, is that farmland, these, these, these fields, Bobby are huge and buying a whole field, especially if you're somebody that isn't a farmer, not into farming, knowing the right one to buy. How do you do that? Well, what acre trader does your money goes into a big pot of money. I'm sure that's the way they describe it. Big pot of money with a bunch of other people. And you own a little piece of, uh, of a field and you're not a farmer. You are just the landlord. And what happens is Acre Trader takes care of finding the farmer. Every year you get paid the rent. That's where your dividend check comes from. And then they take care of soil sustainability, making sure that this is the right field. And then they also sell it later on. And that's a key component of this. That's how you get your money back is them selling the field later, which is why this is only open to accredited investors. Uh, you'll need to look into what that means. And also, you'll also uh, want to make sure it's not a huge part of your net worth because you don't want to tie it up into something that's illiquid. But that said, if you look at this investment for the right person, it is incredibly boring in a great way. Like I love the fact that this is just absolutely boring. You can take a look at some of the live listings now, the type of fields that they invest in. You can also watch a video of how it all works if you head to acretrader.com forward slash MWF. And by the way, if you use our link MWF, that's how they know that we sent you and that keeps them sponsoring the show. So please use yes. uh, forward slash we MWF. We have tuition bills to pay everybody. That's right. <laughs> If you're going and to Joe check it really, out. Joe won't admit it, but he wants that car. I, I do want that car. It's going to be a long time till I get that car. Maybe a 10 year old used one, like my son bought. We get to that point, I'll buy this car. All right. Acre Trader. Acre Trader. Let's do this, Bobby. Uh, big idea time. You ready to share yours? I'm up first. Let's do it. All right. So let's talk about financial freedom, discretionary financial choices, and the voluntary choices of where we choose to put our money. We can choose to cut out, cut to the bone, or at least forgo dinners out and maybe a vacation or investment home in order to fund an expensive college education. Some may perceive that as a non-negotiable. They're going to send their kids to whatever college they want, but some people think college is a ridiculous way to spend excessive money. 
But if you make that choice, as I admit, my parent, my family has chosen to pay for college, pay for it and own that choice. You can still complain about it being overpriced, as we do too. Same with a car that is pretty much, for most people, a discretionary choice. That's what financial freedom is about. You may say you need that car, maybe to impress clients, maybe to help your self-esteem, maybe to get the girl or the guy. But that is what financial freedom is about, choices. And you know what? I'd rather buy a great college education for my child than a fancy sports car anyway, even a fleet of them, though we still can't buy that Tracy Morgan car that he crashed, the Bugatti. Yeah, Bugatti's not in my future, Joe. But, uh, you should have said spoiler. Spoiler. Why? Why is that spoiler? Well, that we know it's not your future. I mean... For people that well, don't count me out. I mean, the future is long. <laughs> this show is going to be really big, Joe. Your your husband you know? might have something to you say about that. Goals. I'm just going to put a little picture of Tracy Morgan's Bugatti on my computer. That's and it. every day, yes, when we encourage people to support our sponsors, we're going to have that picture of the Bugatti there <laughs> as a goal that this that show will, will finance the Bugatti, and I will gift it to my husband. It's now on the record in public that if we, if I buy a Bugatti, I will gift it to my husband. That will also make people, if it were me, not that empathetic <laughs> with your <laughs> support the show, so I can buy a Bugatti. I'll, I'll pass. <laughs> but, but, but thank you. Uh, All right, we'll downgrade to the Stingray. <laughs> my we'll put a picture of the Stingray up there. Yes. Yes, yes, might <laughs> might might still have problems there, but but not as many. Uh, my takeaway is is this: there are two types of rules in life. There are the external rules that the world lives by, and certainly that you don't want to violate. But then there are the internal rules that you decide that you live by. And I believe that the truth is when you find the intersection of both of those. When it comes to cars, the rules are, of course, you can get so much money for financing. There are legal ways to purchase a car. And the game that the dealership wants you to play by, of course, has to do with monthly payments. Internally, you may have a different set of rules, which involves someday you want to be independent. You don't want to have to live in that car. I mean, maybe you do, but I think most people don't want to be in the van down by the river. When it comes to schools also... Uh, you want to have your own plan to pay for college yourself. I mean, part of going to college is having a strategy on how you're going to pay for it. And then what's the return on that investment? Just following the rules, as society states, I don't think is enough. Find the intersection of those two. And I think you found the sweet spot, Bobby. That's my big idea. That was very deep. That was really thoughtful, Joe. People that know me think I'm very deep. That was really, really. Pro probably not. I have to really process that. I may even have to play back the tape later right. <laughs> and really think about that. Well, we did it good this time. That was high we, quality. We, we, we went way over because we had a great time, guys. Thanks to everybody who hung out with us today on Facebook. Thanks to everybody listening. By the way, thanks, people. We've had a couple great a reviews today. lately as well. Thank you for people who've left reviews of the show. It is, uh, it's uh, fantastic to see people liking the work we do here. All right, that's going to do it. Thank you very much. Bobby, you want to sign Thank off you. for us? Bye, everyone. Go leave nice reviews. This show is created and hosted by Joe Salcihai and Bobby Rebell and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2019. Our engineer is Caden Thompson. And for a list of our friends who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. 
You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or any other video or podcast without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with a real episode of Money with Friends.